0: Everybody, Welcome to Lockdown Tigers. I'm your host Chris Castellani. It is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Tigers played a spring training game yesterday against the New York Yankees. We're going to talk about that. Probably going to take up two segments discussing that. And then in segment number three, I'm going to be doing the first of probably several editorial pieces. I'm going to be talking about just noticing little things throughout the game of baseball that I want to discuss, not necessarily related to the Tigers, though sometimes it may very well be. But let's start off by talking about the game itself. Tigers played a seven-inning affair yesterday against the New York Yankees. They lost 5-4. to The score here never matters. It never matters. I don't really care about the score of these games. And in some instances. I don't even care about how guys look. Like, Garrett Cole pitched for the Yankees did not look particularly great. One inning, three hits, one earned run. Garrett Cole's one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Garrett Cole is going to be fine. But there are certain players who, who played some good games yesterday that I do want to talk about. And as we kind of go on throughout spring training, I, I think at some point I'll probably cover every single one of these players, hopefully, or at least every single one of the, the contributors, and talk about what they may bring to this organization, either in the present or in the future. They lost 5-4. to four. I do want to point one thing out here, and I don't mean to make this a Tigers Bash Fest, though. I don't know. You could make the argument that that should be the alternative title of this podcast, is Tigers Bash Fest. But don't blame me for that. Blame, blame the organization for that. It is worth noting that the first three pitchers that the Yankees threw out there today were Garrett Cole, who's one of the baddest dudes on the planet, You know, has not won a Cy Young yet, but will at some point. Jamison Tyon, who's attempting to come back, but what has been an established major league pitcher over the last several years when he hasn't been healthy, and Julie Sashin, who's not good anymore, probably might not even make the roster, probably start the year in AAA if not designated for assignment, but you know what? He's a guy who's had an all-right career. He was very good for the Brewers in 2018. He, he was their ace in the postseason that year. Julie Sashin has had an all-right little career. That's three major league pitchers right there. The Tigers threw out Kyle Funkhauser, Ethan DeCaster, and Gregory Soto. We're the first three pitchers, and then they threw out Bo Burrows there for an inning and a third as well. It's the second spring training game, so I'm sure many people are going to think that I'm making more out of this than I should be. But, like, I think that's kind of a prime example of, like, the separation of talent. That those are the guys the Yankees are throwing out there in spring training who are fighting for a roster spot. Obviously, Garrett Cole and Tyon are going to make the team. And then you have three guys of the Tigers who are middling minor leaguers kind of nobodies though Gregory Soto did pitch some pretty good baseball for Detroit a year ago but that's beside the point as far as the game itself Wilson Ramos batted three times hit had two hits including a home run to straightaway center field look I, I I'm not like angry about the Ramos signing I know there were some people that were disappointed and and look I wanted him to get Riomito I think Riomito would have been a perfect piece for this team this season they didn't do it I've talked about that enough but Wilson Ramos is going to be a substantial upgrade for this baseball team going forward now the the counter argument to that and I've made this counter argument before is that like that you can't do worse. Like, you you can't actually do worse. I mean, if you're talking Grayson Griner, Jake Rogers, Bobby Wilson, James McCann in 2018, you know, when he was awful, I mean, you can't have a worse string of catchers than what the Tigers have put out there over the last several years. But Wilson Ramos has had a good career. And, And last year he wasn't great, but again, as I've talked many times, outlier, don't put a ton into what guys did a season ago. He's had a solid career and looks to be in good shape so far in spring training. Looks like he has something to prove here, and you know what? Hey, he's probably a guy who's a little bit hungry. If he plays some good baseball here this season, he could be a guy that the Tigers say, "Hey, you know, what? we're gonna—it's a one-year deal. We're gonna ship you for some prospects at the deadline," and he could end up going to a good team and maybe even winning a ring. You know, that is the the circle of baseball life, my friends. So he got—he's off to a bit of a hot start here in spring training so far but of course riley green is kind of the the key piece to these games at least until torkelson starts playing riley green played yesterday was one for one with a walk had a nice little base hit i get one thing that stands out about riley green that i think is very impressive so far because look i think all of us especially when you have a team at the major league level that is as bad as the Tigers are, you watch some of these prospects, you watch some of these minor league guys, and every time they do so much as take a pitch, you go, oh, this guy's going to be a star. In fact, is you could take any player in baseball, post their batting practices to YouTube, and claim that this guy is going to be the next star, and people would probably look at it and say, oh, hey, man, you see that home run he hit in batting practice? I mean, it's it's." batting practice it's bat, I mean it's bad it's called that for a reason it's actual practice I mean you're you're saying slow toss and, you, and you're hitting balls out of the ballpark you know what you look for more is is game action and one thing about Riley Green that has impressed me impressed me in spring training last year and it's impressed me so far this year is his patience in his first at-bat against Garrett Cole it was the only at-bat he saw against Cole yesterday afternoon Cole was throwing out his repertoire. I think he saw a a few sliders, a few fastballs, maybe even a changeup. He fell behind one and two and ended up drawing a walk. And and in today's day and age of baseball, it is is harder to be considered a great player than it has ever been. I mean, it used to be, hey, you know what? If you have a 300 average, you're a good player. That's not the case anymore. You need to have power. You need to have patience. You need to have the ability to draw walks and and preferably you need, need to be a good defender. And I think one one thing about Riley Green that has exceeded expectations in the organization so far has been his eye at the plate and his patience. Because look, any any solid hitter, even bad hitters can catch up to fastballs. Even bad hitters can can crush a hanging curveball, but it's the ability to stay in at bats. It's the ability to see pitches and to get on base that's what people value so much and I think it's one of the big reasons why Riley Green is considered to have such a high ceiling to be at such a young age and to have such a good understanding of the strike zone and in your first at-bat be facing one of the best pitchers in the known world. And t- just to draw a walk, that is impressive. I'm sorry, like I, I, you, people are going to say that I'm maybe over-exaggerating it. Riley Green is 21 years old. He has not seen that much Major League action. He hasn't seen any Major League action, but he hasn't faced that many Major League pitchers. First A.B. against Garrett Cole, who was you know, coming out firing. I mean, Garrett Cole was hitting 96-97 in the first inning yesterday. Garrett Cole is not a guy who takes a lot of days off. He is a guy who puts effort into every single pitch he throws. I was watching the live stream. The great Michael K, who does such a great job with the Yankees broadcast, was talking about that. If Garrett Cole bounces a pitch in, in his bullpen session, he grimaces. He gets frustrated. He gets angry. He was coming out there firing yesterday, and for Riley Green to see as many pitches as he did and draw a walk, it's it's another notch on the belt. Like That at-bat where he drew a walk, was more impressive to me than the next at-bat where he roped a single to left field because that one was kind of, you know, in in on him. It was a bit of a looper to left field. Did drop for a base hit, and, you know, his bat-to-ball skills are phenomenal. But, yeah, man, I I mean, I I was happy when the Tigers drafted Riley Green. They took the best player available. But you watch what he's done in spring training the last two years, and you understand why people are so high on this guy. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You know, one guy I want to talk about here, because I think that it's it's important that he has an all right spring training, because Wilson Ramos is going to be this team's starting catcher, but I think it is up for grabs who the backup is going to be. Most people seem to believe it's going to be Grayson Griner, but the, the main reason people believe that, truthfully, is because... No one else has emerged. No disrespect to Grayson Griner. I'm sure he's a, a wonderful human being. He's he's handled himself with class since he's been here. But if you can't, if you don't have anyone in your organization who can leapfrog Grayson Griner and find his way onto a major league roster, then you're in trouble. I remember a couple years ago there were people that were really upset, myself included that Jake Rogers was kind of being barred from being called up to the major leagues because Grayson Griner was seeing playing time for the Tigers in 2019 and well yeah I mean I still would have called up Rogers I didn't think he had anything left to prove down in the minor leagues it's kind of safe to say that at this point, the organization was, was kind of right in doing that. Jake Rogers yesterday in the spring training game, 0-3 with three strikeouts. And th- this is going to be one of those guys who every at-bat is going to matter for him because he's got something to prove more than almost anybody else. Like Riley Green, I, I think, in general, is set to start the year in double A. Same with Torkelson. It doesn't matter if they hit 100 or 800 down in spring training this year. But you look at Jake Rogers, we're talking about a guy guy who's about 26 years old, you know, in his mid-20s, spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, part of the Verlander deal. He's got to show it at some point or else the organization's just going to cut ties with him. I still contend that last year was a monumental disappointment for him. I think that what he did last year, not being able to make it to the major league level because Eric Haas was viewed as a better option, for this baseball team a season ago was was frankly a little bit pathetic. I think if you talk to him he would admit that that was a little bit pathetic. I understand his defensive upside. I understand that people believe he calls a great game and has a great arm. You got to put the ball in play at some point. And of course, look, I, I people are going to roll their eyes at this. It's one spring training game. I get it, but the leash is getting shorter and shorter, Jake for Jake Rogers. Every single week and to start his spring training after five months of not seeing any action to go 0 for 3 with three strikeouts to not even put a ball in play if he was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts I don't even know if I'd be talking about this but to not put a ball in play in your first spring training game essentially for a guy who got called up a couple years ago and had a 480 something OPS now the the leash is getting shorter for Jake Rogers and it should be you know I want to believe that he could still be a key piece of this organization but I think there's a reason why they drafted Dylan Dingler in the second round a year ago. Because the guy who they believed was the catcher of the future has not lived up to those expectations. There's one other guy I want to discuss who pitched yesterday, and that was Gregory Soto. Only two-thirds of an inning, two hits, one run, one walk. You know The, the results themselves are whatever. Spring training is a crap shoot. I don't take a ton out of the results. But what bothered me is still the repertoire. Because there's a reason why Gregory Soto was so successful in the early part of last season and that's because when it's early in a season you haven't had as many reps seeing 99 mile per hour cheddar cheese coming at your head or painting the outer corners of the strike zone you're not going to be able to hit it I, I mean I don't care how good you are as as a hitter that's difficult to face first time around but you saw as the season went along even in a 60 game season him starting to wear down because he's got a fastball and not much else like everyone talks about how great Aroldis Chapman is as a reliever and that's true Aroldis Chapman is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, or at least he meets my criteria. And I know that's going to be controversial to many people. It's a conversation for another day. But the reason why Eroldis Chapman is one of the greatest relievers, one of the greatest closers who's ever lived, is not because he throws 105 miles per hour. Now, that helps, obviously. The Cuban Missile guy threw a million miles per hour, but that's a novelty thing. Like, a lot of guys throw hard. What made Aroldis Chapman one of the greatest closers of all time is the fact that he developed that nasty slider. I mean, he developed it in the minor leagues. It's gotten even better at the major league level. To have a reliever who that early in his career learns not just how to throw, but how to pitch, you know, it's the reason why he's made a bunch of all-star teams and has been a part of a World Series championship team. Yeah, I know he's given up some huge home runs in the postseason. You know, you don't want to face Aroldis Chapman, okay? And you look at Gregory Soto who, and this is true, outside of Chapman, was the hardest-throwing left-handed reliever in baseball a year ago. That's a neat thing. That's a novel thing. You look at that and you say, that's a guy with a high ceiling. Let's see if we can do something with him. That slider to me, I'm seeing no difference so far from the Gregory Soto that we saw a year ago that even in a 60-game season, batters started to figure out. Not saying that he's not going to have a good year. Not saying that they should give up on him. But I think his key focus throughout the offseason, and I know he pitched in the Mexican League, I believe, where he pitched pretty darn well. Might have to ask some, some some other people who covered that a bit more closely, what they saw out of him, but I think his entire development is going to hinge on that slider. Like, with starting pitchers, most of their development stems from how they develop that third pitch. Most good pitchers coming up through the minor leagues have two really good pitches. When Verlander was coming up through the system, he had that electric fastball and he had that great twelve six curveball. Where he developed into the ace of all aces was that, that change up in the slider started to come along for him. Near the I mean near he's still around, but near the kind of the the latter part of his career, once he got to Houston and his last few years in Detroit, Slider was arguably his best pitch. With relievers, it's different. You need two. Most relievers have a solid fastball. Gregory Soto's fastball is more than solid. It's absolutely spectacular. It's one of the hardest thrown pitches in all of baseball a season ago. To just have a league average slider, like a slider that just keeps guys guessing a little bit, a slider that doesn't get buried every time he throws it, we could be talking about the future closer here. So uh, yeah, just a few observations that I noticed. Tigers lost the game. Like I said, they gave up a grand slam in the fifth inning that ended up putting the game on ice for New York but I'm just I'm not even focusing on the games themselves I'm focusing on individual players and and I'm focused on development as most people should be in spring training so that will do it for segment number two probably I think I probably got two segments out of this now when I come back gonna be doing my little editorial piece as I talked about covering something that people haven't talked about in a few months but I just wanted to bring up one more time as kind of a bookend to to what was probably a pretty ugly chapter for Major League Baseball be right back Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Before we start segment three, I just want to let all of you know that this segment is brought to you by Lockdown MLB Prospects. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, and I think we can all relate, we are Tigers fans, we've followed these prospects very closely, we have the podcast for you. Lockdown MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into segment number three, everybody. So, with the new format that we have here on Locked On Tigers, a three-segment show, uh, I figured that for the first, for the foreseeable future, I'm sorry, I can't speak today at least until regular games start, I'm going to be spending a fair amount of time doing some editorial pieces, you know, I was talking about things that maybe don't have a whole lot to do with the issues of the day, but just some personal things uh, that bother me that are that involve the world of baseball in some capacity, and that's what I'm going to do here, and I want to talk again, and people I'm sure are so tired of hearing about this, but about the Astro's sign stealing scandal because I think it's important to put things into perspective after a certain amount of time after everything's gone down after when you're kind of when you're kind of assessing the the damage that's been done to the game I I think it's important to kind of take a step back and it's been over a year now since the punishments were handed out, and I did do a show on this. I did do a show, I believe, last April, where I talked about the Astros' sign-stealing scandal, but even then, we were still kind of in the thick of things. We've had I mean, it was technically a baseball season since all the punishments were handed out. And you had Joe Kelly throwing at Bregman and Correa. You had the the brawl between the A's and the Astros, which was incredibly stupid that you had a bunch of guys throwing fisticuffs at each other, tackling each other in the time of COVID. But we've had all that go down, but now that the time has passed and... A.J. Hinch is now the manager of the Detroit Tigers, so it does connect to the Tigers in some capacity. I did want to discuss how I view this whole scandal in memoriam. I will openly admit that in 2019, I was blinded by my uh, adoration for the Houston Astros organization. I love that team. I loved them in 2018 and 2017, too, but 2019... You, know, you kind of give into your own hype and there was a lot of people from Houston that liked my videos a lot and I think they were played at one point on Houston airwaves and and, and this isn't me patting myself on the back. It's just, this is what happened. I'm setting the stage for, for this story. And I, I really, I fell in love with that team. And especially when you have a team in the Tigers that was so bad, 114 losses that year. You look at an organization like the Astros, which went through the whole rebuild and tanked and came out the other end stronger than they've ever been. That was a, in a, a shining example of what I hoped the Detroit Tigers could be. And then the sign stealing stuff came about and I was I was in denial for a long time. I was either in denial or I didn't do the amount of research that I should have done regarding just how damaging that stuff truly was. Now, I did correct myself pretty quickly. Like I said, I think a year ago I made a I did a podcast on here where I amended what my some of my original statements, which is that I I changed my mind. I did believe that the Astros deserved to have their title taken away. Now, there were other theories that were being thrown around at the time that I didn't necessarily buy into the buzzer theory was a big one. Uh, John Boy didn't, you know, didn't create this rumor, but he'd heard it and it, it was discussed. And a lot of people blamed him for starting it. It wasn't his fault. He was, as he said from the beginning, he didn't break any news. He just reported what other people had told him. I, I always believed that the the buzzer theory was nonsense. I, I just thought it was it was too elaborate. And again, I think that there was serious denial there. And I I said last week that I think in general, Major League Baseball had moved on from this scandal, that I didn't think it was going to be a distraction for A.J. Hinch now that he's the manager of the Tigers. And I do stand by that. But I think there are certain players and certain people whose careers and or reputations have been so smeared by this that they may never recover. And that's going to be the interesting thing to look out for. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of Astros having pitches thrown at their head. This year, I think so much has happened, not just in baseball, but so much has happened in the world that I think people have gained a relative amount of perspective from all of this. Passage of time kind of heals everything in a situation like this. But I watched the Astros last year, and obviously you made, they made the ALCS, did not have a very good regular season, I believe under 500 during the regular season, but made it to the ALCS, nearly pulled off an amazing comeback, they were down 3 out to the Rays, ended up pushing them to seven games, if not for Charlie Morton going out and dealing, they probably would have made it to the World Series against the Dodgers a season ago, but it was not the same team, injuries were, were a big reason for that, but I, I saw some players respond differently than others, and some people respond differently than others. I think AJ Hinch, and this was the reason why I was supportive of the Tigers going out and getting him. Look, like, if you wanted to make the argument that AJ Hinch should have been banned from baseball for the science dealing scandal, you know, it, the people are stuck in their ways with this. I, I'm not going to out debate you here. You're going to believe what you want to believe. I wanted to see remorse. And he was one of the only people who I think felt remorse. And every person listening to this and every person out there wants to believe that they would have been the one who would have put an end to this. They would have been the one to stop this. But especially when you're a manager, and managers nowadays are so different than what managers used to be. Managers are at the mercy of ownership and of the front office. And I think AJ Hinch was kind of forced to fall in line. Now, should he have reported it? Yeah, he should have. And he'll have to live with that. And he's talked about that. He's made that very, clear that these are my stories. It has no reflection on the Detroit Tigers. I think in general he has handed himself remarkably well following the sign-stealing stuff. I think if he wins in Detroit... The narrative will be he was a guy who went through the whole redemption arc, came out on the other end, and is potentially, you know, a Hall of Fame manager. Assuming, of course, that Illich and Avila surround him with a roster that's actually worth their salt. I think Alex Bregman's going to bounce back and be just fine. I think Carlos Correa wears a permanent chip on his shoulder. He's going to be just fine. Was excellent in the postseason a year ago. Carlos Correa is a beast. But there's one player that I noticed a season ago, and we'll see if it changes. We'll see if it changes in 2021. Obviously, last year was uh, strange circumstances, the strangest of circumstances, and I've been on record many times saying that I don't put much stock into what guys did a season ago. But there are those instances where you kind of have to take a step back and say, okay, maybe there's something up with this guy. I think years from now, we're going to find out that this whole scandal... Weighed on Jose Altuve more than any other player, and I think it's going to affect his career forever. Not saying he's going to all of a sudden be bad because Jose Altuve was has a god given gift. He's a very very talented player, but when you looked at Jose Altuve prior to this story, the Ken Rosenthal sign stealing story breaking, you saw a guy who was headed for the Hall of Fame, a franchise player, a, a hero in Houston, a hero in baseball, an amazing story, some guy that was signed for like $50,000, who ended up becoming an MVP, an all-star, you know, an ALCS MVP, a World Series hero, all of a sudden became one of the best stories in sports to one of the biggest villains in sports, and you saw last year him making all those errors in the ALCS, and, and there weren't fans necessarily, but I'm sure the backlash weighed on him. It's weird, because Jose Altuve is not more responsible for the sign-stealing stuff than Bregman was, or Springer was, or Hinch was, or Luna or Cora was, and yet so much of the blame, so much of the anger was put onto Jose Altuve. I think for one big reason being he, he's, he was their best player and had been for a while, but I think another reason too is that he was so beloved, and you take a guy who was such a key piece of those championship runs, and a a Yankee killer, I mean, just destroyed them in the postseason multiple times, all of a sudden becoming the villain, it weighed on him. And the, the legacies of about five or six different guys have changed because of this scandal. Clearly, people's opinion on George Springer hasn't changed. Just signed a monster deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. It seems like Alex Cora's found his way back. I mean, general belief was that Alex Cora was one of the masterminds of this whole thing. Got got his old job back with Boston. Jeff Lunau's done. I I would be stunned to see Jeff Lunau ever running a baseball team ever again. So that's a reputation completely tarnished, completely smeared. Altuve up for grabs. I mean, Jose Altuve has had an amazing career. And if he continues down the road that many people believed he could continue on, he'll probably have a Hall of Fame candidacy, but he will be held back because of the science doing stuff, the way that Bonds and so many guys are held back because of the steroid stuff. I don't think that will be the case for Bregman or Correa if they ever have a Hall of Fame candidacy. I don't think that'll be the case for AJ Hinch if he goes on to have uh, an even more successful tenure than he did in Houston. The, The more time has passed, the angrier it's made me and I'm glad AJ Hinch is here. I want him to be here because I believe in second chances and I believe in redemption. But the biggest tragedy of all of it and because I was just I was watching some videos yesterday and it really did make me sad because I think during during the whole thing I was trying to be objective. I was trying to be fair. I was trying to hold on to this idea that oh no, they didn't cheat. They didn't steal a World Series when they did. But the biggest tragedy of all of this is that the Astros rebuild was still flawlessly executed. They still had great players, and I still believe deep down that they could have won the World Series without all of that. And it is not only one of the biggest scandals in the history of baseball, in my opinion, it's one of the great tragedies in the history of baseball that a team didn't know how good they really were. That's what's heartbreaking. It is very similar to steroids in that aspect, where you have a guy in Roger Clemens who was one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Dude, you could have retired at 35 and you would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. You didn't have to do what you did. That's how I feel about this team. This team was loaded with all-stars and talented players, and I'm not the only one who believes this. Other teams believe this. George Springer just got handed a monster deal by another team. They know how good this guy is. It's it's such a shame. It will always be a shame what went down there. So, I did want to talk about that. I don't know, just something that kind of stuck in my head. I was watching some videos over the last week or so, and it just it made me sad because that was that was a, a moment in baseball that I think a lot of people are going to remember for a long time. I think the I think we've moved on. In general from it the way we've moved on from the steroid era but it will it will always be a part of baseball history and a, an a, and a ugly part of baseball history where a team that was good enough to get it done on their own decided to cut corners So that'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I will be right back here tomorrow talking a little bit more Tigers news, talking a little bit more baseball news. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.